This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. and welcome to the blank podcast the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives their careers and any of those difficult moments along the way i'm giles pay phillips and with me is jim daly hello to you how you doing all right I've cool. just well, my, on this door- week's episode, we- <laughs> my door's open don't remember that i don't think i've ever recorded with the door open before oh that's i wonder nice. if that affects the performance of the microphone who knows? Email in, uh, tweet us in, people. Let us know if this episode sounds like feels shit. particularly, uh, I don't know, <laughs> echoey for some yeah, reason. Room I'm sure it's fine. I didn't notice anything during the recording, so I'm sure mm. it's absolutely, absolutely fine. Um, but it just means that your family got to hear, you know, uh, a sort of uh, a teaser. Of well, this, I'm here on my own. They're all out. Oh, all oh, right, okay. Kids oh, are at school. Mind. Michelle's at school. So yeah, they're all out. It's just me and the cat. Oh. The cat, and the cat doesn't. I'm sure give the a, cat enjoyed it. The cat doesn't give a fuck about anything <laughs> other than eating and sleeping. Oh, the cat's not a big Blank Pod fan. Actually, having said that, he is sometimes in here. Actually, in the on the bed behind yeah. me. But um, so yeah, for, for for the viewers, not the viewers, the listeners. Um, <laughs> I I've got my set up in our my bedroom, and um, you're in your cabin in the woods. <laughs> cabinet. I wish it was in the woods sometimes. Uh cabinet at the end of the garden. Uh yeah, which has become my sort of studio, my sort of podcast mm. studio place. Um so yeah. Uh and I'm looking at my house being renovated and they're currently putting a roof on, which is nice. nice. So yeah, getting some progress on there. Hopefully be back in there soon. Uh, but for now I live in the cabin in the woods. Now I'm gonna say, was the cabin a bit chilly when you first came on? Because yes, when you it first was started the, freezing. Our um our episode uh, recording today with the amazing Gamma Cole, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh you were wearing quite a large sort of puffer jacket type thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely freezing. And I put both I got two heaters on, I put both heaters on, but one of them hasn't been turned on ever before, so it started to smell a bit weird. Oh yeah. Is it a fan on. heater, is it? No, it's an electric electric heater. 
Um, but it's not really a three stank. You need to get one of those off. oil heaters. Have you got? So this no, is extremely is boring. Boring, isn't it? No, it's got sort of, a sort of fancy modern electric sort of heat. I think it's electric. Yeah, I don't think it's oil. What what listeners don't realise is Jim and I, um, we 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 converse via WhatsApp quite a lot during the week, but. This is our sort of first time <laughs> of the week that we actually get to chat to each other. So we end up talking about absolute, the most boring bollocks, sh- shooting the shit well, type stuff that you would talk it's about. It's our with. top and tails, isn't it? So I just yeah. talk about what we want. So, uh, you know, if, if you want, well, man, you can just hit th- fast forward Skip. 30 seconds <laughs> if you're bored of this. But No, but I think an oil heater, they retain the heat better. So I would think uh, and, and more eco- ecological and eco- okay economical. Now. I'm warmed up now. Yeah, you've you've um, stripped stripped off now. Not, yeah, exactly. not, confer- not fully. There's still <laughs> no. yeah, still got a top on, but the jacket is the only thing that's cold. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. But yeah, it has warmed up. But yeah, when I first got here, it was it was pretty cold, um, as it will be for the next couple of months of recording, because <laughs> it's only a start of November. Yeah, um, it's going to so get chilly, isn't these it? Heaters. Yeah, but anyway, enough of this, this sort of workings of my shed, which no one cares about. Um, let's talk about this week's guest it's the brilliant gamba cole what a great interview this was oh what a wonderful guest yeah really really love talking to gamba i mean he's a very very talented actor people will have seen him in most recently the outlaws which is Stephen merchant's new sort of comedy drama which is on um bbc iplayer uh fantastic ensemble cast all set in bristol and it's a sort of i guess a modern day chain gang who are doing community service a youth centre and it's sort of the inner workings of um, the system and, and yeah and they're sort of like the sort of undertones of the criminal world and stuff going on and um, and the gang and gang life and all sorts of things um, but it's very funny um, there's some brilliant sort of dramatic moments as well and um, yeah fantastic cast I mean it's got I mean a Hollywood legend in it in Christopher Walken um, but the whole cast is fantastic and Gamba's very much one of the real breakthrough stars on it. Although he has been in lots of other stuff as well, so it's not really a breakthrough part for him in some respects. Yeah, he's he's definitely someone you're going to see on your screens a lot a lot more of uh, in, the, in the future. And just a very, really, really nice guy, very thoughtful mm. and very honest in this episode about his career so far and, you know, the difficult bits of that as well. And um, it was really insightful sort of hearing him talk about about his career and being really honest about it. So, yeah, and just yeah, just a really nice guy. And also really into football. So yeah. that obviously ticked, ticked a box for me. Um, and so we did have a long chat about football at the end of the episode, uh, which was great. But it was an absolute real joy talking to him. Yeah. Um, and I know our listeners are going to really enjoy this episode. Yeah, and anyone who's sort of getting into acting or um, or is an actor who, you know, who's sort of seen ups and downs of, of starting a career or, or you know, during, during a career, will I think will a lot of stuff uh, Gamba was talking about will resonate with them. And, um, yeah, so hopefully it's really insightful for you. And also, yeah, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get some really good extra chat. Indeed, yeah, patreon.com forward slash blank podcast. Extra chat. <laughs> Beautifully done. Uh, from all our guests uh, each week. But, yeah, join our patron and we'd... Uh, We'd love you loads and you get a little bit of extra content uh, from Gamba this week. Um, before we go on to the episode, shall we read some tweets out? Well, I've actually got a review from Apple. Oh, okay. yeah. It's from Charlottetel. She says, love the concept about blank, blank things uh, not being perfect and leaving it out there. Thank you. Well, wow, five episodes in now. What incredible people and incredible accounts. Thank you. 
That's really oh, that's a lovely review. Thank you so much. Um, I've got a tweet here from Dr. H, who I think I read a tweet out from last week. Um, it's the same tweet. It might have been the same tweet. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's a lovely tweet. Um, if it is the same one as last week, I apologise. But it was such a good tweet that it needs to be read out twice. Um, yeah. Dr. H says, I just managed to finish last week's, or is it still this week's? I don't know, Dr. H. I don't know either. Uh, Blank Pod with Samantha Baines. Thank you, Samantha, Jim and Giles, for facilitating my joy all the way through. Mm. Famously, she called herself a joy facilitator. Yeah. Um, some great stories, which really made me laugh well done, everyone involved. Thank you, Dr. H. Yeah, that was a great episode of Samantha. Yeah, it's brilliant. I actually want to squeeze in one more, actually. Here. It's from Philip Cruz, Jabba F. Cruz on Twitter. He says, brilliant interview with Naz. So Nazanin Gafar. And uh, he says he hopes to see her brightening our mornings again very soon. Yeah, she's not on TV at the moment, but... Yes, hopefully very soon she'll be back on. And uh, yeah, that was a great episode as well. With some wonderful extra musical content at the end, <laughs> if you listen yeah. through to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't spoil it. But uh, no. yeah, Giles gets the guitar out and does serenade us for a bit. So uh, yeah, that was a great episode with Nazanin as well. We had some good episodes recently, haven't we? Oh, there's been so many amazing guests. Well, we always have amazing guests on. We do. Well, and speaking of, mm. beautifully done, uh, this week's guest uh, is the fantastic Gamba Cole on The Blank Podcast. Great to have you on, Gamba. Thank you so much um, for being a guest on Blank Podcast. Um, I wanted to start off by talking about Bristol, if that's all right, because... Um, I have fond memories of Bristol back in the late 90s. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, randomly with David Harbour from Stranger Things, who spent a lot of time in Bristol. Um, but, yeah, we used to play loads of gigs in Bristol, and it was always really cool kind of vibe in Bristol. A um, lot of spandex at that, in those days. Um, but, anyway, I wanted to ask you about your your memories of Bristol and growing up in Bristol. Um, there was there wasn't uh, much spandex. I'd, I'd <laughs> 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 what a letdown! Yeah, I think uh, the times had moved on a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was. I mean, obviously being born there and like having so much of my family born and raised there, it was just it was a nice place to be, man. I I always I spent every single when I moved to London, I spent every single holiday in Bristol. Um, my mum would just like drive us up there and just you know. We'll spend time with the family, and uh, you know it's it's sim it's it's funny because I was where I was sort of raised in Bristol and that where I spent most of my time sort of like St Paul's and Montpellier, mm. and a lot of that area is still the same in a way. Like you still mm. kind of just have the like graffiti and that kind of stuff. It's just it's still everywhere. Whereas like where I grew up in London. It's just going through a mad, like, gentrifying project yeah. at the moment. So everything yeah. that I knew in London has been changed. But everything in Bristol that I knew has stayed the same. So it's nice to come back to some sort of similarity and some familiarity mm. and just sort of like, you know, just feel comfortable in, in, in that space, you know. Well, it's interesting because the, 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 the spandex thing was interesting because the, a lot of the rock <laughs> venues uh, that we played at, um it felt like they had kind of retained a lot of like stuff that they were into as like these guys that were into stuff in the 80s and 90s like hair metal and stuff and they kind of really kept hold of that and a lot of the venues were kind of still 
the same as they probably were like 15 years previously. So it did feel like there was, it was almost in a bit of a time warp to a certain extent. So I guess that's, that's similar to sort of areas that you grew up in as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely say that it did feel like um, Bristol was, especially like in, in regards to like London, they were like a couple of years behind in a way. Yeah. You know, especially with like style and stuff like that. Like I'd, you know, when, when uh, jeans was were getting a bit more fitted, you go back up to Bristol <laughs> when it was still flary and boot cutsy. They're still in spandex. <laughs> <And> spandex <laughs> yeah. It's still the boot cut in Bristol. <laughs> That's interesting. So how did you first get into acting then? Was that of um, an, at an early age? It was, I mean, my mum would always, my mum would say, you know, I, you know, he's been performing since he was a child and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, I only really looked at it when it came to picking my GCSEs because, you know, I I did a lot of academic work and, you know, I was good at it, but I just wanted a balance of learning. So I was like, okay, let me just try this first diploma. I had no idea what it was about. I just knew that it was um, 60% practical and I was like, okay, that's higher than 50%. I'll take it. You know, I just wanted, I wanted, I wanted a bit of a balance. I wanted a bit of a balance. And um, yeah, as soon as I got into it, it was just like, you know, you're just trying different things and you're immersing yourself in different worlds. And like, it just felt like an escape for me. It felt like, you know, I could be somebody else and just sort of mm. like, whatever I was going through at the time, I could just sort of like put that on pause and I can just allow myself to explore different emotions and like, be somebody else for an hour and do you know what I mean? Just like explore these different mm, things. Yeah. So I just, I just really, really loved it. And my teacher, you know, she was really supportive and it just, it just sort of started like that. So once I, once I finished school, I went to college, I went to Richmond upon Thames college and I studied the national diploma and it was the same thing. It was just like more of just that exploration of these characters, but also of, of myself as well, because I was quite, um, quite introverted and I didn't really express much you know you'd only really know if I was angry or do you know what I mean like I wasn't really like expressive as a teenager so that's what it did in a way and it it just took me away from the stuff that I was dealing with and the stuff that I was going through and I just liked that feeling I liked feeling free in a way do you know what I mean like just without judgment Mm -hmm. and um yeah, that's when I knew. I said, okay, cool. This is something that I, I really want to pursue. But obviously, it's once you know you want to pursue it, it's just that whole idea of actually getting into the industry and actually working. So that was the next stage. And I was speaking to my tutors and stuff, and they were saying, look, you have to go to drama school or to university. Otherwise, it's not going to work for you. And I didn't have the, the funds for either. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to have to try another way. I don't know what the way is, but I'm just going to have to try something else just to get into this door because there's a, there's nothing else at that time that I wanted to do. I mean, I was playing football up until about 13, 14. But um, yeah, I knew around then that it wasn't, that wasn't really my dream. That was my brother's dream. And I was just doing it because I wanted to be like him. I wasn't doing it because I actually loved it, you know? So um so yeah, once I left college, I, I just had to, I ended up getting a job. Um, I was working as a security guard at the Olympics. And then after that, I was like, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just like, you know, I was like, okay, cool. I'll just, I'll just stick with this. You know, the money's okay. And um, then it got to, I think it's 2014. And 
it was approaching my final year of my SIA license. And, you know, there was coming to that point where you have to renew it for another three years. And I just thought to myself, do you know what? If I don't go for this thing that I actually really want, I don't think I'm going to ever have another chance to. So I wrote down a list of all the things that I wanted to achieve. And at the top of the list was like, get an agent, get signed and like do like do what I love doing. And um, that was that was the beginning of January uh, 2014. And then in February, my cousin who lives in Reading, he called me and he was like, look, my drama teacher is coming to London and he needs somebody for a rehearsal reading. Are you available? And I was just sort of like, ah, you know, a rehearsal reading. I didn't really know what that was anyways. You know, (laughs) yeah, all right, cool, I'll go. So he kind of convinced me to go and I went and I met um, a director there called Clint Dyer. And he was, um, he was actually auditioning for a play at the time. So he was like to me, oh, can you read in Patois, which is, um, you know, Jamaican dialect. And because obviously I'm, my parents are from Jamaica and I was like, yeah, 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 I'll, I can do that. And he was like, go on then. I was like, no, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to do it. Like, why are you putting me on the spot? Like, we're just, you know, you just met me like half an hour ago and now you're putting me on the spot in front of everyone. I was like, no, no, no. So like, he was like, you know, throughout the day, he was just nudging me, just nudging me. Go on, just do it, just do it, just do it. So at the end of the day, I think I read like one line. And then he was like, okay, cool. Look, I'm holding auditions at the Royal Stratford East Theatre. Come down and um, here's the role, whatever. So I learnt my lines and whatever. Went down there, auditioned. Um, they did recalls the week after. I managed to get to the recall stage. And then I remember we was workshopping that scene in the recalls. And then I left. And at the time, um, I don't know if you're familiar with East London, but the the theatre is in Stratford and also it's right next to Westfield. And at the time yeah. I was I was working in Westfield at the John Lewis. Um so I went I finished my recall and then I went back to um just like see what's going on over there. And then I got a phone call from Clint and he was like, Look, you've got the role. And um not only that, I've called wow. up an agency. Um they're really interested in you. I told them about you, um, they want to meet you today. So I was like, oh, okay, uh, cool, cool, what's going like, all right, then fine. So I went down to this agency and they said to me, look, we don't take people on recommendations. So what we're going to do, we will we'll sign you, but we're going to come and see you at press night. If we like what we see, we'll keep you on. If not, then after you finish this, you know, we'll let you go and whatever. And I was like, okay, cool, fair enough. I had no idea about agencies and anything at the time. I was just like... You know, you're just caught up in a whirlwind of just mm. like, you know, I've just been given a role. I'm so happy. So I would have said yes to anything, you know? <laughs> and um and yeah, so they came to press night and, and they, they, they enjoyed what they saw and, and the ball's just been rolling since then. Cause that that's a fantastic story, because that's a mad day or a couple of days, isn't it? I guess, where you're suddenly like it, this thing you wanted is suddenly starting to happen. That must, like, emotionally, that must have been a bit of a sort of roller coaster. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the, the hardest part was, like, you know, because obviously I was working at the time, so it was just, like, telling my manager, um, you know, rehearsal start at 10 to 6, so I'm unavailable. <laughs> and, and, it's and you know, you know what it's like in that world. It's sort of like, well, unless you're on the television... Anything yeah, you do creative yeah. is just drama yeah. school. Do you know what I mean? They just they just really yeah, disregard yeah. it. So yeah. I was just like, oh well, like I was just in a rock and a hard place. I didn't really know what to do. 
because my manager wasn't going to give me the time off. So I just had to quit. And I just had, I just had to, I had no choice. So that was the hardest thing because it was just like, okay, this is what I really love, but this is what's keeping me afloat right now. So how do I, do you know what I mean? And there's that real, there's that real barrier um, where there's just that sort of, I wouldn't say lack of understanding, but you know, as as a young person trying to find and discover what they love doing, there's is that rebuttal of okay, you can go and get your dreams if you want to, but is at the expense of this, and it was just yeah, that was the hardest thing for me. I would say that that is a really 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 hard conundrum. I think, and I know a lot of our listeners are creative people as well, so they'll they'll definitely understand that kind of. That almost battle, I guess, between heart and head in a way, yeah. isn't it? Between what you want and you sort of know your situation and stuff. So, but I think as well, like sometimes, you know, your your story was clearly building up to a moment for you that was big where you had to make a decision. And I think sometimes you just you just sort of know, don't you? And even if like it doesn't work out, you're like, well, I know, I know now's the time I need to take this leap. And like if it in a year, six months, whatever, what you know, I tried and I came back. But like sometimes there are those moments where you do just have to kind of. Yeah, take a leap. Oh yeah, for sure. I like I I knew as well. It was just one of those things where I was happy to fail, as long as I knew that I tried. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I just wanted to be able to say that I tried because one of like my my only fear in life is getting to an age where I can't move like I used to. I can't do what I used to do, and I look back and I say, do you know what? I wish when I had the ability to, I did. So for me, that's all it was. I just wanted to be able to try. If it didn't work out, at least I can say, you know, I made that effort. Gamba, I can confirm that that age where you get to, you can't move properly again, is 37. And I'm at that age. (laughs) Just to confirm that it's the age. And my my football teammates would confirm the same as well. (laughs) Where do you play? Where do you play? What position? I'm in bench. Normally, it's not (laughs) normally bench. <laughs> Normally, if I'm lucky, right mid, okay. right mid or centre mid. Okay, okay. But, okay. Yeah, oh, well, that's still, an energetic still... kind of area to play well, in the pitch. Isn't I was it? saying to my my mate the other day. Actually, sorry to go off topic. Saying to my mate the other day, you know how like with football these days, back in the day, it was like four four two fullbacks did nothing, right? Right midfielders, you'd sit. Now, because like Trent Alexander Arnold and Robertson are so good, fullbacks become wingbacks. Yeah. Sunday league managers now think that their their wingers can basically be wingbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been playing, I've been playing left wingback last couple of weeks. <laughs> horrible yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm 37 i can't do that it's insane <laughs> yeah 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 no no the, the wing back position is like probably the worst on the pitch right now like if you don't have the fitness yeah. for it you're finished yeah yeah you're up and down it's, yeah. it's, it's just up and down yeah. with no reward yeah. whatsoever so yeah <laughs> but anyway i understand about getting older <laughs> things not things not working in the same way but uh yeah you're right i think i think that was a really nice you really phrased it nicely about sort of not uh not having the fear of failure, I think, because it, that is kind of part of life. It's part of creativity, certainly. It's part of everything, really. And actually, there's there's, there's no one out there who has just uh, succeed, succeed, succeed. Everybody has had success. It, it, you know, it's an up and down graph. Everyone's had a bit of success, a bit of failure. And really, you don't really get any success. And success is relative and quantifiable, depending on, you know, all sorts of things, really. But you don't really have any without sort of failing. And I think that's that's a big first lesson to tell yourself you know i might fail this bit but i might fail upwards i might fail into into a situation where i think oh actually i'm here or i might i might get to a point where i think if that isn't what i wanted i wanted this but yeah eradicating that fear of failure is a, is a good way to but it's hard mm. fear of failure is is it is difficult to get over that 
Yeah. And, you know, when you finish a job as a creative, it's that you feel like you're starting from square one again anyway. So, it's, you yeah. know, it's, it's that um, what's next, what's happening next and how long is it going to take? But you kind of have to just get comfortable in the uncertainty because when you when you bother yourself too much, I feel like you're you're causing more calm than good when you're just focusing. Okay, what's next? I need to I need to know. I need to know. And you know, don't get me wrong. Like the first time when I finished that job that I did, you know, I went. I think it was uh, I think it was about five six months before I, I booked another job, and that was the biggest shock because I thought once I do this then I'm going to get that. And then it's going to be like this. And then I'm going to be on television. And then I could, you know, and you just have these dreams of just like, oh, I'm going to, it's going to happen all at once. Um, but um, yeah, 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 definitely. You have to fail. You have to um, know that. And you have to get back up as well at the same time. You have to know that you have the ability to get back up and still go again. Yeah. Yeah. How are you in those moments? I was just thinking, you know, when you're, you're out of work and you're looking for stuff and you're searching. Do you find that, has that, was that a difficult time? Or did you kind of think, okay, I need to be, I need to be kind of regimented and logical about this and, and just try and find the work myself? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd say first couple of years, it was always extremely tough because it was a part of the industry that no one ever spoke about. So I just sort yeah. of felt like, I was going through it on my own, which obviously I wasn't because there's so many actors out there. But um, yeah, you just you just sort of feel alone and you just start worrying about all of these these variables that may exist or may not exist. And you just kind of got to keep positive. But it's hard to say. I mean, it's easy to say just keep positive because, you know, that's just I don't know. I wouldn't like that if someone who was just like, yeah, just keep positive and things will get better. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I get, I get it, but I just don't know any other way to put it mm, yeah. because you know the first, the, the first couple of times it happens, you just kind of got to get comfortable in the silence. You do, and like for me, there's been a couple of times where I've had to like get another job again just to balance the finances and keep myself afloat mm. because I haven't, I've been out of work for too long and I've got responsibilities. You know, and my family never came from money. So, you know, it's about, you know, you got to, you have to do some stuff. And I've done that. But um, at the same time, it's like you've got to know, you've always got to keep your eyes on the prize. You know, I say that there was a time I was working, this was like a couple of years after that play and stuff. And I was working in a phone shop and um, I had an audition the same day I was working. So I said to my manager, look, at, at lunch, I just need to go somewhere quickly um, I'll be back. It was like, yeah, no, no problem. As long as you're back, you know, you have an hour, it's all good. So I was like, cool, I'll be able to make it and make it back. It was only a couple of stops on the tubes, like, great. So I got to the audition now, got there, and there was like loads of people there. Like the oh, most no. people I've ever, I've never seen so many people <laughs> in the waiting room. I was like, okay, okay, what is going on? So I spoke to the lady at the desk. I said, um, is there a bit of a, a hold up or something? It's like, yeah, we're just running behind by about 10 minutes. No problem. They're we're always just, running it, behind. Oh, <laughs> it's on that day as well. And it was just literally just me and the manager in the shop. So cool. Oh. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there. And um, I think I was at, I think I was at like some, 
3.30 or 3.45, that, that was my time to go in. But somebody who was there, who had been there already, their time was like 1.30. So oh, I was man. like... Oh, <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be a bit of a problem here. So I was like, okay, cool. I've I've waited for ten minutes, waited for twenty minutes. I knew that I couldn't wait longer than forty minutes because then I have to get back to the tube station or whatever. And I hadn't I hadn't had lunch by this time because I just went straight there, oh, and I'm just sitting there. So I'm just sitting there, I'm just waiting, just waiting, just waiting. And then forty minutes comes, and I'm like, okay, should I should I leave or should I stay? And I was like, but I've been here for 40 minutes. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't leave this, this thing. So I stayed and I'm, I stayed for like an hour and 30 minutes. And I, then I was seen and then I rushed back as quick as I can. And I got in the most trouble um, when oh, I got man. back. But um, I got a recall and then I got the advert. So I was happy. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> worth it then. It was worth it. <laughs> It was worth it. But um, yeah, I say I say that to say like, especially when you are doing the sort of nine to five jobs and, and you know, you have your eyes on like that creative dream that you may have is it's always about making those sacrifices, isn't it? It's like you just have to sometimes take the risk and believe regardless of the result. You just have to take that risk. And yeah, I was just happy to always do that. I, I always knew that acting came first over anything. Yeah, I totally get that. And I really empathise with you saying about employers not necessarily kind of understanding unless you've, you know, I remember when I started writing um, and I said to my, my boss, oh, I'm going to, you know, I've got a book coming out. They just didn't, it didn't compute with them like mm. that you would, you know, that was what you wanted to do for a living, you know, and I used to play like playing in bands and stuff. And, you know, they just sort of say, oh, you know, it's like a hobby almost. Um, yeah. What do you mean you need a week off to go on tour? I mean, I don't understand what, you know, yeah. are you going to be on top of the pops? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my equivalent hey. of that was, um, um, are you going to be on EastEnders? That was my equivalent. <laughs> that was my equivalent. <laughs> I had that when I first started doing stand-up, I was working in an office and like the, the, assist, the newspaper and the assistant would sit at the end of the desk and she went, oh, you do stand-up, do you? I said, well, yeah, I'm like, you know, trying. And she went, you want to get on that mop the week? I was like, yeah, right, thanks, Sharon. Yeah, I've not, not heard of that before. Yeah. I'll give that a go. Yeah, let me let me just shut to the studio and just say I'm here now. <laughs> yeah. And we can... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's a, yeah, it's a constant thing, isn't it? So obviously going in and out of work doing bits, but you quite quickly you'd obviously got some big some big jobs come up, right? Yeah. Uh, quite early tours. So, that, I mean, it must have given you a lot of confidence as well to know that, you know, you, what you were doing was the right thing. Yeah, it was. It, it did give me a lot of confidence, um, but at the same time, it was very, um, very scary at times because you're going into, like, I mean, you're working with people that you've grown up watching on the television, yeah. and you're doing. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like overwhelming. Like I've seen, I've seen, you know, and you're you're yeah. now working with me. It's that it's it's such a surreal feeling. But also, as you wade through the industry, I feel like. There are so many aspects that, you know, just are kept in the dark and you just experience it by going through it. And then hopefully, you know, you hope that you might be the creative to to open it up and let people know about things and understanding audition processes and what it's like being on set. And, you know, just just so many different things that you have to go through. 
Um, so, so in that way, it's, it's always been a learning experience and I've just always kind of programmed myself to just go to a place and any set or if I'm doing theatre or whatever it is, to just go there with an open head and an open heart. Just to just go there and learn. Just go there and learn and soak up as much as possible. I've been so like grateful and you know blessed to be working with people who have been in the industry for many years. So sometimes I might go up like with we uh, talk about the outlaws. Like going mm. up, to, I just go up to Stephen and I'll just have conversations with him and we'll, we'll just talk. And um, even in the hiatus, you know, we would he'd get on a Zoom call and we just talk and it's not just always about work sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just about like navigating this work life balance. And um, yeah, it's, I've been, I've been truly lucky to be fair. I can't, yeah, I've been truly lucky. I think as I'm talking about sort of working with, with well-known people and, and big names and stuff like, I think people forget that they are people as well. So they are, they're on this job as well. They've probably got anxieties and, and worries and stuff, maybe from, outside pressures life whatever so it's like you have to almost put what your almost like overawedness and whatever at the door and be like this is a this person's on the bill with me you know they're on the call sheet as well and we just got to crack on with it um because they are people as well mm-hmm. i guess and yeah, i guess you hope as well and i'm sure like different sets and different stages and stuff and and, and you probably some are more positive experiences than others and stuff but i guess you just have to sort of turn up and just sort of I'm going to, like you say, with an open heart, with an open head, I'm going to be me. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to try my hardest. I always try and like, try and really, it's great to hear you on calls and stuff, like try and connect to other people that I'm working with. But it's hard. There's a lot going on, you know, and it can be overwhelming. So it's difficult sometimes. I'm not massively sure where I'm going with this question, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> I'm just sort of saying it as it's coming into my head. But I, no, I, agree, I agree with what you're saying though. And like, as, as actors, like working on set, you kind of have to establish that, immediate connection especially with the ones you're working directly Mm. with and um you know you don't get as much time for rehearsal and stuff so a lot of the times you might meet on set and it's your first day together and you just kind of have to get over the 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 sort of beginner conversation of like oh how are you how's your day sort of thing we kind of have to gel and connect so this scene can be authentic and feel good and you know you're working together for three to six months or whatever and then it's like you're finished and that connection that you've built with somebody, you just, it goes and you have to just move on. Um, but yeah, that's that also, that also, that also is something that I had to learn too. I had to learn that as well, because you just sort of get into that whole idea of like, oh, we're all friends. Like, we're all, like, we're all going to be friends <laughs> yeah. forever. Like, these are, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But um, that's not, it's not the case. <laughs> It's funny because David Morrissey talked about, sorry, I keep name dropping, but David Morrissey came on the pod a, a, a few years back and he said the same thing that when he does, particularly with a, a theatre production and you're doing like a long run, it does become like family and then you just sort of wave goodbye and you have good intentions to kind of stay in touch with one another and maybe there are certain people that you will do, but then you become quite bereft because you've kind of moved away from that, that, you know all those people that you've connected really really raw like raw emotions some of the time with and then and then you kind of have to go off and find another family to join and yeah. that must be quite a weird feeling i remember thinking that was quite must be quite surreal actually yeah 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 no it is as i it's it's um that's why i'm grateful to like my family and my my close friends because they're the one consistency that you can have mm. in in amongst mm. this interchanging industry it's like you can go back to them and um, they'll always be there 
and and just show you love and support and it just allows you to just be re-energized and go again do you know what i mean it's harder i guess if you are doing this alone because you do really do get attached to people like like Mm. we were saying sometimes there's like I've, I've done a six month tour as well and we it was the same like we would go places together and we would do stuff together and it was so lovely and this was like the earliest stages in my career and I thought okay cool this is us like these are gonna be my industry friends and for yeah. years we're gonna you know what I mean we're all gonna connect mm. and talk and continue to go places and it's gonna be great um, and then you finish and you forget everybody else has got their individual life to go back to. Mm. And we've all sort of sacrificed that to be here. You know, some people have children and stuff and, you know, family members that they care for and whatever. And they've they've left that behind to join this family and make this work for however long. And then it's like, OK, I need to go back to my prior responsibilities and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're, you're completely right. Yeah, you forget that those people have other friends as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was your only friend. Yeah. How, how dare you go and see your older friends yeah. that you've known 10 years longer? Yeah. That's unacceptable. For sure. <laughs> you, you, obviously, you brought up the, the Outlaws, which is brilliant. And absolutely loving it, um, watching it on the iPlay at the moment. And uh, that feels like it was probably like tremendous fun to make mm-hmm. um, and, and a brilliant a brilliant cast. Um yeah, but I mean, I guess it. The question is, was it as much fun as it looked? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even more so, I think. Like the the funniest days were the days where we were all walk, working together as a group in the community mm. center. Those days yeah, yeah. were just like special. I, I I really wish like they curated all of like the outtakes and just oh, put them yeah, together. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like Stephen, Christopher, Jess, they they would just improvise. Yeah, yeah, out of nowhere, and you just have to hold it. You just sometimes I'm just standing there and I'm just covering, covering my mouth because I'm just think, I'm wishing. I hope the camera's not on me at this time because I'm gonna ruin this take because it's <laughs> you know because they would just come up with something and you know Stephen's an absolute genius man. He just like he mm. knows exactly what to do and when. I guess that's what comedy is is about timing, mm. and uh, he just. Yes, it was just amazing. It was amazing. I mean, my character isn't like comedic relief. Um, he's more on the dramatical side. But <laughs> even then, even then, it was like just a joy to even have that breath of fresh air and have like working with these guys and we're doing funny scenes and just cool stuff. But yeah, it was it was amazing. Was there was there um, freedom to do a bit of improvise? Uh, can't can't speak. Was there a bit of freedom to do improvisation? Because I know, like with obviously with the Office and stuff, which is that kind of mockumentary style, um, has got that feeling of improvisation. Although I know it's heavily scripted. Was there? Mm. But there, was there an opportunity to do that on on this show? Yeah, for sure. Like Stephen, I mean, Stephen wasn't too precious over the dialogue, which was great, and um, it allowed us to sort of like bring stuff to the table and just say, all right, look. I, I understand the intentions here, but how about if I say it like this or if I add or something like that? And he was he was never too precious about it. He was like, yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's make it work. And most of the time it would work and he'd be happy. You know, I think 
the only time was if he was just just to say something that would detract it away from the whole story, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, then he'd be like, okay, we're not using that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, can we can we go can we go back to the the dialogue? Um, Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, all in all in all, man, he like he wasn't too precious at all. He allowed us to just like use our creativity and he said to me that um you know as a writer you look at the world from the um outside in but as the actor you look at it from the inside out which is really re- uh, revealing to me because you know sometimes when I'm looking at my lines and stuff and I'm like oh Stephen you know is it okay if I change that and that because that doesn't sound as natural or whatever and he's just like yeah of course you know because at the end of the day, he wants the authenticity across everybody's world. Just that's the way it's going to connect. And, and, and yeah, yeah, man, it's great. But that also must give you as a performer confidence as well. Because I think if you've got the directors gets you mm-hmm. and it's sort of on your side and also you're, you know, it's like an edge of if you're making suggestions and someone's constantly going, no, 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 then you start to feel smaller. But if someone's going, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, try that. Like, it's a massive boost for the confidence. And obviously, mm-hmm. as a performer, confidence must be linked to everything, really, that you do. So any little way that you can feel a bit more confident and feel like, oh, director gets me, I'm on his side. Mm. It must surely help with performances. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, to have, I mean, to be a part of the project already is just, like, huge. But then to have, like, Stephen, like, you know that Stephen... Yeah handpicked you and Stephen believes in you and he believes that you can tell the story that he's created it's just like something else so um yeah to have him on set and you know first season he was directing um he was directing as well so he was always somebody that I could go to because he was always on set so if anything you know just having him there saying yeah no just give it a try gives me the confidence to be like okay cool maybe like trust your own instincts as a performer too and not just you know wait for the direction from the director you can also um offer and bring something to the table and i i, I, I love that i love working like that have you have so, you ever had sort of oh, sorry Charles, done it again um have you ever had lack, lack of confidences or moments where your confidence is is drained a bit and and, and particularly performing and and sort of how have you got through that if you have oh for sure many many times yeah, yeah, yeah of course um how i've got through it I don't know. <laughs> and you just get it done, innit? Like, I think you just you just get it done. Right. I mean, you know, there's been times... You've got to be positive. You've got to be positive. <laughs> you've got, you have to, you've got to be positive. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, for me, like, when I'm, when I'm not feeling good or I'm having a bad day on set, it's usually linked to, like, how I'm feeling about myself that day, I guess. So I've just kind of got to get out of my head and it's about just, I really just try and focus in on the scene even more. Just like, do you know what I mean? Just to ignore, because in your head, oh, you said that wrong. Oh, why, why did you? And sometimes, you know, you might be able to get to look at the monitor and stuff and you you start to overanalyze your own performance. And then that's never helpful for me personally. It's never helpful because then I start to think, okay, last time you you looked that way this time I, I looked at do you know what I mean like and you you sort of just changing your performance based off what you've seen but when the picture is built and everything gets put together it can still work and as an actor you know you know we do what we do and then we surrender it to the editor and we surrender it to yeah. you know 
that side and they get to pick and they piece the puzzle together. So for me, uh, getting over it, it's just, I just, I just sort of get through it. I just don't try my hardest to just really focus in on what I am doing and take it step by step. I really slow things down um, and just really focus on what's right in front of me and just sort of like baby step my way back into confidence in a way. That's what I, yeah, that's probably what I do. Yeah. Oh, I mean, also everything can be saved in the edit anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> let yeah. let for them sure. talk it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But I mean, I in, gonna... in... go on, sorry. No, no, sorry, Gammy, you go, you go. We keep talking. Sorry, I keep... No, no, I was just going to say, when it comes to, when it comes to theatre, that's even harder. Mm. That is even harder yeah. because there is no retake. There is no, um, yeah. mm. can I... I would love to be able to stop and just be like, sorry, guys, can I can I just run that scene again? I'm just going to go back behind the curtain and then <laughs> come on. I didn't like the way I did that. Yeah, the last 10 seconds didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. What you need is you need one of those men in black pens where you just exactly. like, get rid of their last like, 30 seconds of memory. Exactly. Oh, oh, we're back here again. Exactly. Just go to the lighting technician. Um, Can we, can we call a blackout? Yeah? <laughs> you know, but... um. But yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. It's just different. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about pr- like the process p- for preparing for roles. Uh, has that changed much over the years, or do you have a, a sort of a regular kind of go-to way of of of, of getting into character and and developing the characters you as you work through the process of filming and stuff? Um, yeah, it's definitely changed. It's sort of grown with the actors that I've spoken to, and like I I like to ask them how they find their their processes and and the way that they get into character so you know for me it's about you know you do the the, the sort of academic work you write down everything people say about you what you say about you what you say about others and and you create your world like that um but then also i like to go if it's in a, like a different city like with with the outlaws preparing for the outlaws i went to bristol very early because I wanted to just be in the areas that mm. Christian would be in. I just wanted to immerse myself in that world um, and really absorb what it's like to live in that place. I mean, I had some familiarity anyway, but, you know, now it was just like, OK, I need to revisit that and I really need to um, grasp that. So, um, yeah, I try and do that as well. Go to different places, think to myself, OK, where would they where would they shop? Where would they buy their their, their food from? What school would they have gone to if they lived here and stuff like that? And I I really enjoy that sort of um, immersing myself, that looking looking for these things because then it really pieces that backstory together for me and just makes me feel comfortable um, when I'm when I'm working. And I also like to create a little musical playlist too. Oh, so cool. sometimes I would have for certain scenes I would I would like have a a song in my head and. I would sort of replicate that that mood through my dialogue and my intentions and what I'm trying to get across and stuff like that. So I, I would do that too. So those are the, like my main three things that I would do. That's really cool. So is music a big part of your life then? Is music important to you? Oh, for sure. I was I was like, my mum was a music head. Like she, I grew up listening to reggae in the house on the yeah. sound system um, I remember, I remember being a child, and I used to hate reggae. I used to think, what? <laughs> like, why do you play this all the time? What? Like, what is this? It's so repetitive. Like, like, why do you like this? And now I find myself on Sunday doing the same thing. 
<laughs> so um so yeah it's like uh, reggae r&b um you know my my older brother he he got into like rap and uk grime and stuff and i was i'd sort of like listen to because we'd share a room so i didn't have control over what we were listening <laughs> to it was like okay cool and you just sort of absorb and you pull your favorite artists from you know the the artists that everybody else around you um, is listening to so yeah but from 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 when i was a child yeah music has always always been in my world yeah i know i mean obviously i know jazz used to be in bands and stuff so music's a big part of your life as well i think it's interesting if you're creative using music as a way to as you were saying gamma take take you to places and prepare for stuff and i'm sure jazz you listen to music when you write as well and stuff like it can be a real almost like a sort of therapeutic extra layer to creativity can't it because you're listening you're listening to someone else's creativity along the same time i think i don't know i think i realized in that moment when you're talking there actually music is a big moment of my life as part of my life as well so again i don't know where i'm going with this question i'm just i was just inspired by what you said uh, about music so (laughs) also i would i would say also um sometimes when i'm learning lines i try to i try to put a rhythm to it so i learn it like a rap or a rhyme or some sort of like poetry oh, because uh, I listened to so much music. Like when I was younger, I used to just be able to listen to a song and I'd know the words and um, yeah. I would, I would listen to the radio and I would like record tapes and stuff. And, you know, I used to just be able to absorb music. That was just the easiest way for me to absorb things. And I, I, I don't know why it just was, it just was easy to me. So sometimes when like, I've got like a big monologue, I would yeah. just try and learn, I can learn it in pieces as sort of like rhythmic and in a rhyme, it just goes in. But um, yeah, that's, that's another way I use music. I think, I think, I'm oh, sorry. I think there is scientific proof behind that, isn't there? That we, we, Talking about the melody of music makes us listen, uh, remember lyrics better than, than not. Okay. Uh, it's why you can remember sort of lyrics from like songs from years ago, but you can't remember like your shopping list from like five minutes ago. Right. Unless of course you and maybe maybe you sing your shopping list. Maybe that will help. I don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think and it's, yeah, it's why kids why we have sort of melodic songs for kids and stuff. I think I think mm. that is genuine science. So it's interesting to see hear you say you use that in your work because I think there is actual genuine science that is a uh, an effective way of remembering stuff i might have to try and use it more often sort of day-to-day thing you know when you walk into a room and then you can't remember why you walked in there if i could maybe like sing as i'm walking into the room maybe i'll remember why <laughs> what i've got in there yeah. uh, let me know how that goes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i'll keep you updated i got a prediction it's not gonna go well <laughs> it's interesting though about the, the using it for acting though because i do remember reading about daniel day lewis when he was preparing for, um, well, in between takes, when he was Bill the Butcher for Gangs of New York, he would put on, like, kind of hardcore gangster rap and stuff just to get into, like, the zone of, like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it just helped him get into the right mood and stuff. So it's interesting that, that using that as an actor um, to prepare you for a scene or whatever, I think that's really, and maybe maybe a similar thing, maybe he was using it for to structure his lines or whatever. But, yeah, it's... Mm. it's um, it's really interesting thing to use. I, 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 I like listening to music when I'm writing, which is a lot of people sort of think it's weird. Um, like, because you feel like the words are going to, when you're writing, it's going to, de- the music's going to detract you in some way. But actually, I'd find it as a, like, like Jim says, an extra layer of um, um, informative, emotive kind of 
So I don't know what I'm, I'm, I'm doing a gym now. I'm not, not sure where I'm going with this. Doing a gym? Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I like God. that. I'm doing a gym. I'm, doing a gym. I'm no. going to use that. I'm going to use that. I'm doing a gym. That's my, uh, my cultural stamp on the world. We'll just see. The only, my yeah. legacy. Will be, you can only forget what you're talking about. That's a gym. <laughs> so what was it like? I mean, obviously incredible cast as we've sort of mentioned on the outlaws but um i mean it would be remiss not to mention the great christopher walken i mean that is a a titanic legend of 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 hollywood and, and obviously oscar winning w- was that just amazing being on set with him do you know what it was um it was because you know i feel like a lot of the times with actors of that magnitude you kind of feel like i can't really go and like yeah. speak to you you know like, yeah you know I, i'm just gonna admire from afar or something like that but from he came on set he was just so chilled and he was just he would talk to everyone and he was just laughing and joking and like he just loved being a part of the group i remember the first day we came the first day he came on set and um we were doing a group scene and at that time he had joined he had come from um america a bit later than when we had started already. So mm-hmm. we had sort of already formed a little bit of a bond, like everybody except Christopher in a way. So when he came and like we would like talk and stuff and he would always come over and just be like, hey, we, you know, we guys talking about? And it's like, oh, cool. <laughs> like he, he wants to know what we're talking about. So, you know, and then from then we just kind of just all just gelled together. And, you know, I would say, there's not one, there's not one of the outlaws that I I wouldn't feel like I couldn't go to and speak to, and have a conversation with. And like Christopher just has so much stories. He just has yeah. so many yeah. stories. Yeah. And he loved Bristol as well, which was nice. Um, he said he said the um, he said the drivers are crazy though because of obviously the traffic's on the other side. So it was just, yeah. he was like, and he likes to go for his walks in the morning and stuff. And yeah, man, it was just it was special. It was really really special. That's really nice to hear, but it's funny actually. You hear that quite a lot about um, people working with stars and stuff. And like, oh, they're really quite normal. I think there's an element of like, if you've been really successful in a long career, obviously a lot of it's down to talent and work ethic, of course. But I think a lot of it is down to being amiable and like getting on with people and being good on set. You're, you're going to lose jobs if you're a complete diva on set. And obviously there are some divas, I'm sure there are in every industry. But surely you're going to be more employable if you're someone that's great to work with, gets on with your 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 cast and your crew. And it's generally just pleasant. I don't know if that's me just being naive, but that seems like quite a logical way to work in your career. Yeah, no, that's that's what I think it is as well. And like he would like before before takes and stuff, you would see him. He would probably just be talking to somebody, and he's like, "All right, cool, we're getting up for a take." And then he's then he's in the zone, and then he would just kill his take, and then he's back out again. And it's it's just like to be able to watch that was just. I just felt like that was like my drama school in a way. You know, I was learning from all of these great actors, just being with them day after day after day and just watching them and seeing like sometimes, you know, you hear stories of like people who are, you know, playing mean characters. So on set, they're just like mean to everybody. And, you know, they're slapping drinks out of people's hands and (laughs) cussing, you know, just like, you know, all of this stuff. And you're just like, you know, I personally don't want to be like that. You know, I kind of want to just like really focus in on, you know, just doing it when the scene is is rolling. And it's like watching Christopher and watching Steven. You know, I remember doing a scene with Steven and he was he was directing it and he was in it. 
So we was out. Oh, we yeah. was out by. Um, we was going through a door, and um, going in to do some dialogue. And he had a monitor outside the door, and he's looking at everything was going on. He calls action, snaps in. We go in through the door. We do the dialogue, and then his character leaves, and he's back on the monitor again. And it's like to be able to just switch like that for me. I think that's acting to me to be able to just be able to you know when to turn it on and you know when to to pull back and just go back to doing and whatever else you need to do. Well, it's like being player manager, isn't yeah. it? Basically. <laughs> yeah. And then like really. gamble your left wing back. Oh, for fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But yeah. That is yeah, definitely multi-talented. Because cause you're, you're sort of learning on the job, really, aren't you? I guess through doing all this stuff. Yeah. And I was going to say earlier, actually, I'm guessing as your profile sort of growing, do you get people coming to you and asking, you know, I really want to get into acting stuff. How do I how do I do it? And I thought of linking back to when you were at school and teachers were saying, you've got to go to drama school, you've got a university. Do you ever say to people, do you know what, actually, you sort of, you don't. Like, there are other options. Um, no, I think, do you know what? I think with advice, it's the hardest thing in the world. And yeah, I, I get a lot of messages about like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of going to a drama school. What one do you recommend? Or I want to change agents. And, and all of these, so many, so many questions. And you just kind of, like, it's hard for me to give you the advice because I'm not in your shoes. You know, the story that I, I gave to you was a real story to me. And that, that really happened to me. But I can't guarantee that that's going to happen for you. So yeah. it's like, I, I, I really struggle with advice. And I always say, just keep, continue to learn and just you, you'll find your way. Um, but yeah, I try my best to not not give out too much advice because I just think sometimes it can be detrimental. And I feel like I'm not at a stage where I'm in that position to give advice while I'm still, I still feel like I'm still in the early stages where I'm still learning and just continuously trying to grow. So I feel like I can, I can give little bits and pieces, but you know, stuff like, you know, how do I, how do I get an agent? You know, that's a question I get a lot of the time. How do I get an agent? Mm. And that's, it's like, you you know, a lot of the times when I was coming up, it was like, you had to have a showreel and headshots and a lot of people can't afford that. So yeah. what do you do when you can't afford the 250 for headshots and you're only getting three or five? You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, you get a showreel and you have to pay for that. And then, you know, that doesn't, none of that stuff can guarantee you an agent and it can't guarantee you work. You know, there's a lot of people nowadays that set up their own YouTube stuff and they showcase their own work. And from then they've gone on to do other great stuff. So I can't. I always try and say, like, you have to look at all of the avenues and see which one is best for you. But just know that it's not going to happen overnight. You know, a lot of the time people people see me now in this position because cause of the outlaws. And it's like, oh, yeah, but I've been doing I've been acting for seven, seven years. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I was <laughs> I was on the theatre circuit for two, two and a half, three of those years. So. It's like you, you, you didn't know, but now you saw me there and you just think, okay, he must be at this position. But there was so much work and so much levels that you have to go through to get to a, a point like that. And it's just about trying to enjoy that journey. Um, but yeah, advice is always, always difficult. Always difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely respect that. Um, and you're right about, I, I sort of believe there's no real such thing as an overnight success. It's every, anyone you've seen that you think, 
oh my god they've they've made it overnight they they'll have put in the work somewhere they'll have been working yeah. somewhere they've been working up yeah. because it's all it's in, any, no in any industry i don't think there's any such thing as an overnight success no it's like when you see the award ceremonies and it's like best newcomer and like every everyone's <laughs> been in there they're not new like <laughs> you've been like, like 10, 10 years, years. you've been yeah. like 10 years. <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> but um yeah i guess it's new to the masses i guess yeah um, but um yeah advice is tough but i would always say as well it's all you always have to you always have to be willing to learn do you know what i mean you always have to a lot of a lot of the time you get into a position where you think okay i'm ready and i'm i'm ready to work and that's great but you also have to remember that there's aspects to the industry that we're just not familiar with yet and we still have to go through it to get through it and then hopefully pour that information back to those that are coming up so they have a better insight, you know, and make it, you know, I always want to make it easier for those that come up after me because it's like, you know, I've gone through so many ups and downs. It was, it's nice for me to share those and then they can see, okay, cool. It's not just, you know, you go from one job to another job and another job and it, it just gets better and better and better. There are times when you're out of work and you have to like work, get another nine to five or get something yeah. And you have to balance your books and, you know, dealing with pressures and responsibilities. And, you know, you might have a family that's not so supportive and you've kind of got to combat that as well. And there's so many different layers um, to, to being here, which is why I just don't take this stuff for granted. Yeah. Yeah, so true. And I I, I was thinking then as well um, how I think even like when we've talked to people who have been through drama school, there's a lack of kind of knowledge given to um, actors and actresses about the the perils of of the industry, the the difficulties, and the you know the how to sort of deal with the, the, the those difficult moments when you know because it's brutal. You know, all, all creative industries are to a certain extent, um, and that's maybe something you know if you're going to offer advice. And I know it sounds like horrible to sort of offer the sort of more negative stuff, but actually, just to be honest with people and say like it's going to be it's going to be grueling and, and tough at times and, mm. and you're going to really, really want to want to do this mm. um, to get through it. Yeah, you've got to sort of like, I always say, just make sure this is what you want to do. You know, I, when I was when I was at college, there was a group of, I'd say about 20 of us. And at the time, we all met under the guise that, you know, we all want to be actors and we're all going to, um, you know, do whatever we can to become actors. 10 years later... 15 years later, there's only like four or five of us that are still buddying, still trying to get their way up this ladder. And yeah. it's like, you know, the other 15, it's like real life hits you and you can't, you, you can't prepare yourself for that because it just happens at any time. So it's hard. It's really, really hard. But um, at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful to be in that position where people feel like they can actually come to me and think mm. like, you know, I want to, you know, talk about these things that I'm going through in the industry and hopefully get a bit of an insight and a bit of help because it is, it is a, it's a really, really tough industry. And I feel like sometimes with the, the um, actors that are of older, the older generation, a lot of the knowledge has sort of been kept with them and hasn't been shared too much. Mm. So the ones that have come after sometimes we end up going through the same stuff and I feel like that stuff could be avoided if 
we were given a bit more information. Um, and that's what it's about, I think. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think sort of trying to be as truthful and as honest about the experiences of working in the industry will only help people, surely. And there'll be so many people that we're trying to break in and, and I'm sure there'll be so many people looking up to you and I'm sure that's probably a weird position to be in sometimes that people are looking yeah. up to you and um, maybe almost idolising you and wanting to be like you. But yeah. I think if you can be honest about about it, as Charles said, the good and the bad things, surely that's only going to benefit people. I don't understand why people sort of sometimes might want to like you say, keep, keep things themselves or, or not be truthful about the experiences of the industry because surely everyone benefits if everyone's just being as truthful about the good and the bad side of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And and, and that's why like, I'm, I'm grateful to you guys to having me on because, you know, us having conversations like this and I know like a lot of creatives listen to you guys and I'm hoping that they can hear like some of my stories and stuff that I've had to go through and, you know, and know that, you know, yeah, you can, you can still get there, but it's just a long road and it's just very tough. And you've really got to believe in yourself first and foremost, and you've got to deal with the rejections and you've got to deal with the quiet periods and you've got to deal with all of that. But on the end of that is, you know, well, I mean, I just got here, so I don't know. This might be it for me, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I'm hoping that there's more. Yeah, there will be. <laughs> There'll be loads more. But as you said yeah. a minute ago, it's the this comes up a lot on the podcast. It's the journey. It's that there yeah. isn't really there isn't an end point. There are definitely bits you want to get to, whatever. But actually, even when you get there, as you said earlier, it's like okay, what's what's next? It's the, mm. it's the journey and the getting there that's actually... And it can be hard sometimes to kind of appreciate that and enjoy it when it's happening because you are worrying about, okay, what's the next job? Or, okay, do I have to get some more money or whatever? But actually, it is, there isn't really an end point. It's the journey that's the, that is it. This is it. Yeah. You're on it. So it's kind of like yeah. enjoy, it, enjoy it while you're yeah. on it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and I think actually just going back to what you said earlier as well about that lack of fear of failure, I think if you've always got that, that you're not you're not fearing the failure, then you can always propel forward because you're always going to try stuff. You're always going to not worry about the risk sometimes. And even if things don't work out, something else might work out. Yeah. And a lot, uh, do you know what? A lot of the times people come into the industry like as actors, like I came into this industry wanting to act because I never knew anything other than acting in terms of that industry. You know, I just do actor, director, that was it. And then I go on to set, I remember shooting a commercial a couple of years ago and there was like seven of us actors on set. And then behind the camera, there was like 40 people. Yeah. yeah. And I had no idea. I'm thinking, what's everybody? Who who are these people? You know, who are, who are these people? Director's mates. Didn't it? <laughs> just like some bystanders as well, just like coming in. But, you know... It's, it's it's all that it's all that learning process, you know. Understanding, okay, sound engineers and grips yeah, and yeah, 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 and all all of these all of these things that I had no idea about. So you've got you've kind of got to go through that, and then sometimes you may even find yourself interested in that. You know, we had luckily on on the Outlaws, um, they they had a, a program where they employed some young people um, from minority backgrounds to come on set and sort of understand what goes on and like work and they were paid and everything like that. And they just got a real understanding of what was going on. So we had a few in like costume and we had some in the prop department, some in the camera department and they all sort of just like, as creatives, you just want to be in that industry. 
but you re- you you find out what you really love at its core when you get to be on set and you get to be in these different industries and actually learn and understand you know somebody who loves fashion and stuff may not think i could actually get into not just costume design but set design as well and designing sets and stuff like that and i never had no clue about those things it's only until i've been in this industry that i've seen that you know there's so many different avenues here and you can still like you're still doing what you love doing and it's it's that evolution of just like okay cool at one stage i did want to be an actor but actually i really love this i really love the camera department i really want to be a focus puller i really want to understand what that is you know how does he manage to get the timing so correct and stuff like that do you know what i mean it's 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 great it's great and you know for for us like the you know i i came like working class background and what kind of stuff and you know you're not really too familiar with that and you, it's like where do i study to become a focus puller or to be, you know to be a part of the camera department where do you study what is the avenue that you need to go down and um i'm just i'm just always learning man and i i just really wish that a lot of sets do stuff like that where they can you know it's something that i wanted to to do eventually was to just get a lot of young people and put and bring them on set and let them rotate through all of these different departments and understand how important they are and how much you know if one isn't working it just collapses the whole mm. project you know in terms of quality and i would yeah i would love to do that. and the fact that they did that already it's just like it's just it's it's a it was a really good thing really really good that's amazing yeah it's really good do you see yourself doing perhaps further forward i mean obviously you're still enjoying the the acting process but do you feel at some point you might you know want to make your own stuff maybe filmmaking or writing um not particularly um at the moment i'm i'm kind of i'm one of those people where i can only do one thing at a time I can only focus <laughs> on one thing at a time you know like you know sometimes you read these people like yeah i'm an actor writer director dancer singer producer <laughs> I, that's not me i'm just actor that's me just just actor for now um if anything i would say i would love to direct some theater mm-hmm. i would love to do that and you know i initially planned once i was finished acting was to um become a casting director i really oh, i really okay. wanted to um get into the casting process and sort of understanding that and because um, mm. it's it's a lot more intricate than people think it is, you know. And um, a lot of the times we put pressure on ourselves, especially as actors, you know, because we're on the receiving end of other people's opinions and judgments. Yeah. That it's like, okay, I have to be perfect in there, otherwise I'm not going to get the job. And there's so many other things that you have, you you just don't have the control over. You know, you've just got to go in there, do your best, of course, perform. But then you've got to leave it and you've got to let it go because there are so many other aspects that you may not be aware of that contribute to you getting this role. Um, and and yeah, I just I was just fascinated with that. So that is definitely um, something that I want to look into in the future, potentially. Amazing. That's really cool. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Gavin, thank you so much. Um, it's been honestly, brilliant. It's been such a thank pleasure you. to talk to you. Yeah. Um, really appreciate you being so candid about everything. And um, yeah, some, some brilliant stuff, I think, that will will resonate with a lot of people that are, are, are getting into acting or, or already acting at the moment. So, yeah, thank you so much, man. Yeah. And, and The Outlaws is a brilliant show. And, 
congrats on it and you know look forward to seeing you in loads of other stuff as well coming forward thank you so much man i really appreciate talking to you guys There you go. Gamba Cole on the Blank Podcast. What a fantastic guest. Some great insight into the world of acting, some really honest stories, and some great football chat as well. I mean, what a perfect episode and just what a lovely guy. <laughs> he was a lovely guy, lovely guy. Great, great chat with Gamba. And um, yeah, really appreciated him coming on. And yeah, I, I loved a lot of the stuff he's talked about resonated with me. I mean, the stuff about bosses not taking your creative life seriously and um and finding it hard to give advice out i i totally mm. didn't talk i didn't talk enough about that on the podcast but i get loads of, I don't know about you jim but i get loads of people asking me about getting into writing and stuff and it's really hard to give out advice sometimes because if you if you go through the the, the creative life then like you said on the podcast it's all peaks and troughs so it's very difficult to sort of particularly if someone's wanting to get into something they're excited about it it's difficult to sort of say, oh, well, this is going to be quite hard. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's really yeah. Ha- hard to have that kind of, I mean, but, but, I don't know, maybe it's better to call to be kind kind of thing, but I don't know. I just, yeah, it's a really tricky one. I, I've kind yeah. of, uh, yeah, I've started to avoid sort of um, giving out advice these days. I, I don't really get advice asked for much, but I can imagine it is quite difficult and uh, you don't want to sort of sugarcoat things for people but you don't want to put them off either so yeah but you know if, if if the industries are hard as we know they are then i don't think it's a bad thing to say that um at least people have all the facts then but yeah because you want to help people but you you know you don't want to yeah scare them off, I, I well, guess. that's it but, i um, like helping people and, and and i like giving out you know not giving advice but i like not giving out advice advising um if that makes if there's if that makes sense like I feel there's a slight difference between the two things, but yeah, um, or, or sharing war stories, I guess, maybe better. But yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's really tricky to get it right. So I, I totally empathized with Gamba when he said about he finds that difficult as well. Um, because yeah, because yeah, people see you as you know, obviously, now he's in a, a hit TV program that's on you know, on BBC and his, his profile is lifted, yeah. uh, they just expect you to know all the answers <laughs> yeah yeah it's all a journey isn't it it's all mm. you know it's all a journey so and everyone's on a different stage of that journey but uh yeah really enjoyed talking to gamble what a great mm. guest yeah brilliant and obviously with uh palace being his second team he's become, <laughs> it's uh he's <laughs> gone up in our estimations yeah. even more <laughs> oh i love that i love that um if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to get in contact and, and let us know uh, your takeaways from it, please do tweet us, Instagram us, or Facebook us. Uh, the handle is the same. It is at BlankPod. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. We, we love reading our tweets we get from people. So uh, please do get in contact. Yeah, keep them coming in. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely to see them coming in mm. you know, on, on my tweet deck. Um, so, yeah. And obviously, if you're not on the patron, uh, then please do join up and you'll get bonus content from all our guests at patreon.com forward slash blank podcast. Well, the more uh, people really that sign up, the it. more bonus content we can create. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, <laughs> right. that sounds about right. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, let's just say that. that well, I thought we right. could, you know, we could incentivize it. Yeah, why not? 
Yeah. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> oh, please sign up. <laughs> anyway, thank you to Gamba for just being a great guest. Mm. Uh, thanks to our patrons. We love their, love their support. And we love all our listeners as well. So thank you for listening. If you got this far in and you're still listening to me and Giles talk rubbish, uh, thank you very much for being on board. Mm. Thank you to everyone that's, you know, tweeted us. Uh, and thank you, Giles, as well, for just, you know, being you. Thank you, Jim, for being you. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it for this episode. So uh, until next week, when we're back again with another guest on the Bank Podcast, uh, stay safe, stay well, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Thank you.